Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. On Tuesday this week, my oldest daughter and I, Elena, are heading to dad camp. Uh, I, I got turned on to dad camp a couple years ago. Michael Leeson came back from it, having uh, taken one of his kids, and he said, dude, you've got to go to this. It's a week with one of your kids, and the whole point of the week is say yes. Like, that's actually a, a said rule at camp to dads. Say yes. If your kid says, I want to, I, I want to go canoeing, you say yes. Or like, I want to go kayaking, say yes. If like, I want to go get some hot chocolate, you say yes. Like, wh- however they want to do it, if it's within the bounds of camp, the idea is that as a dad, you're so focused, singly focused on your kid. We went last year, Elena and I did. We thought it was our one and only shot together, that it would be her one and last chance, and she gets to go again. It was incredible last year. Uh, I, I remember her running down the path after she had girl time and I had guy time, and she like just leapt into my arms. And that was just, that's just an incredible moment. But all the different stuff that we get to do together and the conversations that we have. And last year she had a breakthrough in saying, I think I've actually heard the voice of God in my life calling me a daughter that I'm loved. I'm like, oh, I love what's going on when you create room to grow, where you just create a space and say, God, will you fill this? I'm going to block this out. God, will you fill it? Time with other dads to encourage and challenge one another. Times with other dad's daughters to speak into their lives. We did an affirmation circle at the end of the week where all the guys, all the dads in our cabin spoke into Elena's life. That was incredible. And then I got to do that. And then all the dads got to do that for all the daughters after we had watched them and observed them through the week. It was really, really cool. It's an extended invitation from a dad to his daughter to say, let's do this together. And I love that. I can't wait for it. Jesus teaches a parable today about an invitation, about creating space, and about uh, what we do when an invitation is sent our way. And I want to talk about it. I'm going to read uh, in Luke 14. If you have your Bible and you want to open up to you just like the paper feel of it, you can do that. We're going to be in Luke 14. Uh, I think we'll also put it up on the screen. I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to back up and talk a little bit about the context, and then we'll dive forward into what I think the meaning of the parable and the primary intent of the parable is. Luke 14, we're going to start in verse 12. He, being Jesus, said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he said to his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. 
But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you've commanded has been done and there still is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now, there's a lot going on in here. Some of it I find humorous. It may not actually be intended to. Um, We'll talk about that. The context is, if you pick it up, Jesus is at dinner. He's actually, I think, at dinner in a Pharisee's house. They've invited him. And all of Luke 14 uh, here is this, uh, what is the conversation at dinner? So Luke 14 starts in verse 1 where uh, a guy with a disease comes in and they all look at him around the table to see if he'd heal him. And Jesus asks him a question like, will you heal on the Sabbath? Is that lawful? Because that would be considered work. Can you do work if it's healing somebody on the Sabbath? And they don't answer. And so he heals the guy and he says, come on, you'd do it for your animals, wouldn't you? How much more for a person? And they have no response to him. And then he goes on and he tells the parable of a wedding feast. And he talks about uh, receiving an invitation and where they sit when they go in the highest place of honor. And what he's doing is he's challenging their heart around social conventions. What, what was going on in the day, and it still happens today to some degree, um, was that dinner parties were great invitations to grow your social status. It was the who's who. Did you get invited? Leslie and I have been watching... Um, Masterpiece Theater, Poldark. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a fantastic series of show. But there's one character in it named George who's obsessed constantly. He has no identity within himself. And it has to come from the invitations and status he receives from others. So he's constantly trying to wiggle up next to what people that he deems important and get invited to their banquets and their dinners and have seats next to him, and he does a fairly good job of climbing the ladder, but he's always empty. He's always empty, and it's always the next thing, and the smallest little things completely derail him. That's what's going on, I think, um, in a different cultural setting in Jesus' day. They're looking for the invitations so that they can think highly of themselves. Of course, I would be invited to a dinner party of any significance. And Jesus challenges them. He said, you're, hard, you're like, you're skipping over people who need help. And I want you to see them. And I want you to respond to them. He said, when you go to a place, he challenges me. He said, don't take the best seat. You take the best seat. You could be brought to shame if somebody else more important comes in. Take the lowest seat and let them move you to the right seat. It's not all about your position. It's not all about your status. And then he starts out with where we read today. Like, don't invite just the people who will invite you back. Don't invite 
just the people who are like, you did one for me, I'll do one for you, and we'll just keep climbing together. Don't do that. You're looking for your benefit. I'm going to tell you, you'll receive benefit when you reach out to those who can't pay you back. And he just goes straight to the heart of it. And then I love this. In the ESV and their decision to go word for word as a study Bible, they, in, they translate this to me that comes off in a humorous way. When one of those, verse 15, when one of those who reclined at the table heard him say these things, he said to him, blessed is anyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. If you have an NIV, it's who will eat at the banquet, right? And the bread is um, symbolic of the larger meal. I just love that he says bread. <laughs> it's like, blessed is anyone who will eat bread. How's your diet going? Uh, lately, in the last few months, I've seriously cut out grains uh, in my diet. So this one, that's sorry, that's just me. Uh, blessed is those who eat bread in the kingdom. And he's getting at it. It's as if... Um, so Jesus comes and he strikes at their heart and he challenges them. And he says, I want you to see people in need and I want you to respond to them. I want you to go to social invitations and not seek the highest position. I want you to invite people to your house, not because they benefit you, but because you could benefit them. And the guy's like, blessed are going to be the people who eat at the banquet, right? As if to say, we might have our differences, Jesus, but ain't heaven going to be great. And we're all going to be there because we're people of position. Of course, God would invite us. Of course, we would be at the table. And then Jesus goes on with the parable. He says, let me tell you about the kingdom of God. It's like a master who has a banquet and he sends out invitations. Now, in the day, they would send like what we get for weddings, a save the date. Hey, there's a banquet. It's going to be on this day. They don't give a specific time of the day. They're just like, carve out that day. Come to the, or be ready to come. And everybody has responded with a yes. That's embedded in this parable. They've already said that they would come. The day of the banquet comes and he sends his servant out to say, go tell him it's all ready. It's time to come. They've already said yes. And then the excuses start. One guy says, one guy says, um, man, I just bought a field. I got to go inspect it. It's probably a business venture, right? He's not just going to go look at the stones and like kick dirt around. There's a real reason he's going to inspect it. Another guy says, I just bought five oak of oxen, or of oxen. and uh, it's, he's not a poor dude to buy five yoke says, this, this guy has money. It's not just about inviting the poor. It's about who this goes to. And he says, nah, I can't come. There's another, there's another reason. And I love, I love the dude who just says, I married a wife, can't come. That strikes me as humorous uh, on a number of different levels. But it's probably going back to an Old Testament law that said, if a man marries a wife, he can be excused from military obligations and other um, patriotic cultural uh, obligations for a year while he and his wife establish their life together. And so he's probably going back to that law to say, I just got married. I can be excused from this obligation, which misses the point, right? The invitation isn't an obligation. It really is 
an invitation. All of these, uh, all of these are spoken to the dudes at the table who seem to have this attitude of invitation based on status. Like, God sure knows what he's doing when he invites me. I'm a good invite. And it's, the focus is on me. And so that people can come up with all kinds of reasons to not come. Whether it's a job or possessions, stuff gets in the way, hobbies, whatever, family, relationships. People are finding excuses to not receive the invitation, to not accept the invitation. And so the invitations go out to the unexpected guests. The master of the house says, I, I've got no problem inviting other people that you wouldn't expect me to invite. Go, go extend the invitation to the unexpected. And his servant goes and invites, and they come. And then he says, Master, like, we got seats left. And he's like, I want a full party. So go, go shout it. Go compel people to come in. Now, sad piece of history, sad piece of history, this compel people to come in has been used in the past to persecute people. Like, Augustine did it to, like, compel people into the kingdom means bring them in by force. If they won't accept Jesus, kill them. Do that, which is just a gross mishandling, right? What it's pointing to is a master and a, a, a homeowner who's throwing this party, who says, I want people to experience this joy. But what this parable is not is a complete allegory where everything lines up. The master is this, and the servant represents this, and the lame and the rich, uh, they all represent this, and the first people who are invited represent this, and then the second people, and then the third people. Like People have gone all around this, like, the invitation went to the Jews first and then it went to the Gentiles, which is true, but it's not, I don't think, what Jesus is getting at. So again, the parables, unless Jesus explains them as allegory, typically have one main purpose, one intent. Jesus is establishing his kingdom and he likens it to a banquet. Already the invitations are going out. Those who ultimately sit at the table of the great banquet are the ones who accept the invitation. That's the point. Invitations are going out. Do you know who gets to sit at the table? Do you know who gets into heaven? Because a lot of people, a lot of people, again, in Jesus' day, they're all reclining, assuming they're there because they're Jewish and because they're high up Jewish. And he says, nope. The ones who the ones who accept the invitation are the ones who sit at the table. Now, that seems basic, but it's critical. It's not by heritage. It's not by merit. It's not by the family that you've been brought up in or the one that you wish that you've been brought up in. If you think you'll be at the table, but you have not personally responded to the invitation of Jesus, you are mistaken. That's the main point. And Jesus actually jumps into the parable. In verse 24, right at the end, he says, For I tell you, none of those men who were invited, he's still in the parable, right? But the I tell you, he's sort of jumping out. I tell you all, 
is what he's saying. Now he's come out. None of those men in the story shall, uh, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. He's clearly jumping into the story himself and saying, I'm inviting. I'm making invitations. My kingdom is a banquet. My kingdom is like this. I remember sitting in worship as an elementary school kid. My parents, we, had, uh, we went to a church that had two services. And my parents uh, would go to the first service worship. And then they had like a group, a growth group they called it, second service. And I had Sunday school, first service. And so my brother and I would have to go to worship by ourselves, uh, second service. And I remember very clearly the pastor um, Every time communion came around, we celebrated it once a month. He'd present the gospel again, and he said, you're invited to communion as long as you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I felt Jesus pressing on me month after month. And my prayer, as immature as I was in elementary school, was, Jesus, if it wasn't real last month, make it real this month. Jesus, I want to I receive that. I'm in. I love you. I want to follow you. I receive you. And like... That was my growing point. I actually led my brother in his first communion. and got to have a conversation right in the chair saying, who do you say Jesus is? Like, this is maybe not as eloquent as that, right? Like, do you believe in Jesus? I do. Let's eat. Let's go for it. But I remember, I remember hearing the invitation as if it were from Jesus himself and responding and responding again and saying, I'm still in. I still want this. I want to grow in this. How are you in Jesus? Because, again, it's not about the family that you grew up in. It's not about uh, the status that you have. It's not determined by your membership at Damascus Road Church or any other church. If you've served for decades that really doesn't determine whether or not you're sitting at the banquet table. How are you and Jesus doing? Have you accepted his invitation? And do you continue to accept it? Not like this, yeah, I got the date saved. Like when I die, I'm good. I'll receive that. He's constantly calling. Hey, I'm ready. Hey, I'm ready. Are, Are you responding to that? Are you responding to that? Or in your heart, when you step back and judge it, would you say that you're maybe more similar to one making excuses? Businesses, hobbies, possessions, relationships, are there things that are holding you back from accepting the invitation of Jesus? That's the main point. I think there are a couple of side things worth talking about real quick. The first one is that the kingdom of God is likened to a banquet. That's not something I think we should blow over. A banquet was a big deal. A banquet was a party. A banquet was joy. A banquet was an invitation to come and live life, to feast, right? It's not famine. It's not just scraping by. It's come and enjoy. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's what Jesus over and over and over says it's like. It's like a party. 
So do joy and delight mark your relationship with God? One commentator said it this way. Jesus, Jesus thought of the kingdom in terms of a feast. A gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms. Like, do you know the joy that Jesus has for you? That doesn't mean you can't be deep. That doesn't mean you can't be melancholy. Like, I can enjoy, uh, I, I can actually enjoy sadness. Like, experiencing different emotions than just being like Ren and Stimpy, happy, happy, joy, joy kind of stuff. Right? There's a depth of emotions that come when you're free in Jesus. But if you don't know joy, you're missing something. You really are. What's your joy like these days? Don't let anything steal that. The second thing, by implication, the invitations are going out far and wide, right? Jesus is inviting people to his table. And God is constantly inviting people, people that we wouldn't expect. Now, if we're told to imitate God, and we are, then we become inviters, right? That's not really the direct point of the parable, but by implication, if God is sending out invitations even to the unlikely, and we're meant to imitate God, we therefore are inviters. Who are you inviting? Inviting into your life at deeper and deeper levels. Because the banquet isn't just about going to heaven, right? It's about being a citizen in the kingdom. It's about living the life that Jesus has that starts now and at one point will be completely fulfilled, completely all together where there's no more brokenness and everything is perfect. But we start now. The eternal starts now. If you're experiencing that, if I'm experiencing that, we're called to invite people into it. Who are you inviting And how could you invite them into deeper and deeper levels? It doesn't have to be just a walk up to somebody and say, I'd like to invite invite you to the banquet table of Jesus. Would you accept the invitation? That's likely not going to work unless you've got the serious gift of evangelism and they don't know what hit them, right? For other people, it happens in relationship. And relationship that invites them into your life shows them who you are and shows them the banquet, that, that you, the invitation that you've already accepted into the kingdom of God. And little by little, appropriately, inviting them into that as well. I don't believe we're fully following Jesus if we're not joining him in the invitations. I don't think that's optional. I think to follow Jesus, we're looking for people who we could pass that invitation on to. So what are you doing personally with Jesus' invitation? It's an invitation marked by joy. Where can you invite people into your life? To whom will you extend an invitation? Dad camp is a space carved out as room to grow room to say yes. May we be the kind of people that say yes to the invitation of the Father and extend that to others as well. Let's pray.
Father, you call our name. Not because of merit, not because of how great we are, but because of how great you are. Your invitation is one of complete grace, of complete generosity, of humility, of not... Um, you're not even trying to, uh, to posture and be greater than you are. You just are. And I thank you that we don't have to fight for status, that we don't have to prove to you how worthy of an invitation we are. And when we do that, we miss the point. We thank you for the invitation. And we thank you that the invitations go to the unexpected, that we're not in control of who gets invited and who doesn't. That you are generous with those invitations. Help us be people who respond to you, who live in the joy that you offer, and who invite others in our world to that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.